All right, welcome everybody to the very first episode of Lore Masters, new Hearthstone show, talking about the lore behind the Hearthstone cards. We are looking to talk about the in-depth story of one card each episode in roughly about the span of an hour. And my name is Goliath the Dwarf. I am here with my co-host, Black Arat, and we're excited to uh, get this going and share some stuff with you. Greetings, everybody. My name is Blackrot, and I'm excited to embark on this project with Goliath the Dwarf, the lore master in the community. Um, you know, I like to fancy myself as like, you know, uh, what's it called? The Frazzle Freshman. Coming in, hair's a mess. Don't really know much. So uh, looking to learn from uh, Professor Goliath. And who knows, in a few episodes, I might be a... Uh, a, a lore apprentice if you will right <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely uh get up to the uh shifty sophomore and then the smug senior preferably yeah. without the smugness uh <laughs> but yes yes we will uh we will break you into the amazing world of uh hearthstone and warcraft lore uh exploring the world of azeroth its history and there's even some worlds beyond that uh, might get touched on in various cards That's especially cool. if we talk about anything from the outland expansion but uh today we are starting with a card that has just recently come out it's not even playable yet part of the new core set uh, Egwin the Guardian and I was just really excited when I saw that this card was coming out because this is an amazing character mm. and the flavor of this card matches the story amazingly of the character behind it and so uh, Black Rot, why don't you just uh, talk a little bit about I know we can't quite play this card yet so you don't have the experience but for, from your impressions what uh, what's your opinion of it from a card perspective? Yeah, so this episode's unique. Um, when we initially had this idea, um, we were going to tackle uh, the classic set moving forward into the expansions as they, as they released over the years. Um, and of course, we wanted to mix in the excitement, you know, with new cards. So for my, you know, review on this right now, since it's not playable yet, um, with this episode being downloadable for the future, you know, in a year, two years, three years from now, um, the story was always going to be evergreen. But from a play standpoint, um, in the current wild meta, I definitely would slot this into um, a, a Reno mage or a, some kind of uh, Luna's Pocket Galaxy mage. Uh, I do like the spell damage effect. Um, this card, to me, gives it what you would call a pseudo taunt, if you will. Um, it's a high threat minion. You definitely want to take care of it and destroy it and not let the opponent benefit off of the uh, plus two spell damage. Me, personally, I can't wait to play it. Um, I'm definitely going to put this into a deck that, uh, that, um, utilizes the mage spell book of specters. Um, you know, draw three cards, any spells drawn, you discard them so that I play a lot of, a lot of minions, like a, a minion heavy mage deck. That way I feel like this card would, um, benefit the most in that kind of Hearthstone deck, but, um, it looks pretty fun. I'm excited to try it. I, I love spell damage. It seems to be all the craze right now, you know? And just for the clarification of those who might not be aware, we're talking about a wild decks exclusively right here when talking about book specters and such. Yes. But yeah, that'd yeah, be my I focus. Cause over time, you know, obviously this, this statement sounds dumb. <laughs> time will go on. <laughs> but um, for as far as like our episodes, it's always going to be evergreen content, but with time going on, that just means the wild format gets bigger and bigger. So 
Um, that's right. Where, yeah, that's where the conversation will go for my part. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that it looks really fun. Uh, but I'm I'm primarily a flavor guy. Uh, you're a lot better at the game mechanics than me, but I'm a very story focused person. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, let's launch into explaining the story behind Egwin and why her car her card works the way that it does. So Egwin, uh, you notice the card says Egwin the Guardian. That is her title. Um, it is a special kind of mage on Azeroth uh, that was around for a period of time who basically their role is to guard the world uh, from threats from other worlds, essentially, mainly demons. But in order to fully explain that, as with many stories, we have to go way back before Egwin was born, approximately 2,000 years, actually, to when humans learned how to use magic for the very first time. Mm. So way back when, as I said, about 2,000 years before this lady was even born, <laughs> um, there was the first uh, human empire called Erethor. Uh, before this time, humans had just been in small tribes, uh, not really any sense of real unified power, very weak in comparison to other races around. Uh, there were the uh, great uh, elf, elves, the uh, high elves, they were called back then, in Silvermoon City, way to the north. And they were absolute masters of magic. Uh, they had, you know, this great glorious... Uh, empire uh they were just the things that they could do with it they used magic for pretty much everything um they were practically addicted to it actually and then there were there was another race the trolls the amani trolls specifically uh who also lived in that area and they had a big problem with the elves because the elves had kind of built their city on uh, what the trolls considered to be sacred ground Ooh. and so we had there was some big territorial disputes or it, that eventually escalated in what became known as the troll wars where okay. the trolls launched this huge attack against the elves of silver moon city and they were really powerful um really powerful warriors um and they, they also had, if you remember some of the cards from Rastakhan's Rumble expansion, Loa, these great animal spirits that they could call upon to okay, aid them. Yeah. And so uh, even for magical elves, when you have giant, powerful, magical animal spirits charging at you alongside a bunch of berserking trolls, <laughs> it, it's not uh, an enjoyable experience, Probably let's say. Not. <laughs> and so what the elves decided to do was to ask for the help of the human kingdoms to the south, basically saying, hey, so right now we are probably going to lose against the trolls here. Mm. And once they take care of us, they're going to come for you because you're pretty close to their territory. Yeah, but if we, if we unite right now, we can drive them back. The humans were a bit eh on this. Uh, mm. The elves hadn't really treated them very well beforehand, kind of looked down on them. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, do we really want to get in the war against the trolls? But they <laughs> decided that they, they saw the logic that they'll come for us next. And so they made a deal. If the human kingdom of Arathor would help the elves, 
the elves would teach 100 humans how to use magic. Okay, wait, re repeat that one more time. The deal was for the humans to aid the elves against the trolls. Mm -hmm. The elves would take 100 humans yep. and teach them how to use magic. And this is at the dawn of World of Warcraft, the beginning of it all? Um, no, this is, oh. uh, no, this, the world has been around for quite some time. This is just okay, the okay. first big human kingdom. Gotcha. Um, yeah, got it, got yeah no. Remember, sorry, freshman, sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, other episodes okay, okay. that we have, uh, we'll have cards, especially for things related to, like, old gods, for example, mm. are going to go way, way back. But oh, okay, this is okay. something that we're, yeah, this is just uh, a more what we would consider mm -hmm. maybe like paramount to medieval history or something about that far back um or, or just just kind of ancient stuff not primordial stuff oh perfect um i ask questions like this because this is the first thing my brain thinks of and secondly i know there's hundreds if not thousands of people just like me so appreciate yeah. you taking the time to put us in the right time placement appreciate my it. pleasure my pleasure mm -hmm. so uh so this is the thing that even though humans had never used magic before, they were apparently very adept to it. And the elves were like, wow, these guys are learning it pretty quickly. And so the what happened, and if you want to show the first image that we have to illustrate, this is where oh, the yes. story kicks in. Mm -hmm. So it was this big plan that they had Good where <laughs> in order to defeat the trolls, they lured them away from the elven city to the human city uh, from Silvermoon to uh, Strom. That was the name of the city for the humans. And they made them think, they made the trolls think, oh, they're retreating. We have them on the run. Uh, but then the human magi came out and with the elves, they summoned this huge colossal fireball in the sky and just utterly incinerated and decimated the trolls. And uh, that was how they won the war. And wow. that that was how humans first started learning magic. Okay, so for all the visual watchers, they can see this. For anyone listening on audio, definitely hop over to YouTube and check this out. So in this war, the humans agreed to help the elves only if prior to the war that elves taught 100 humans magic. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the image of the fire, <laughs> their hellfire they rain down on the sky this is great yeah yeah it's like the, their graduation ceremony yeah um, <laughs> but yes I'm trying yeah to to school <laughs> and then those humans eventually were able to teach other humans how to use magic and so on and so forth and you have a, a lot of people who know how to use magic now just one little problem is that uh people tend to get superstitious by nature of things that they don't understand. And over time, even though uh, human, human civilization was able to expand rapidly uh, after this because all of the mages were able to use their magic to uh, basically keep people safe. New cities could get formed, a trade route, civilization bloomed very fast, much faster than we have in the real world because they had magic to protect them from all the dangers of the wild. But in spite of all this, people began to get a little superstitious and wary of these mages and they found themselves the object of public scrutiny. Um, and that is where the city of Dalaran comes in because Dalaran decided 
that, hey, you know, we're going to become a sanctuary for mages. So all of you guys who are a bit worried about uh, people maybe uh, looking down on you or being afraid of you and persecuting you because you know magic, well, you can come here, you can practice magic in peace, and uh, it's going to be great because we're going to benefit from it, you'll benefit from it, and that's basically what happened. Dalaran became this amazing, magical uh, city full of wealth and commerce because they were able to keep everything safe. Yeah. This is long before it became a floating city. Uh, it was initially yeah, just a regular city. Yeah, it's also attached to the ground. <laughs> yes. Yes. That didn't come until much, much later. Mm. So but, real, real quick. So yeah. when you use the term mage, um, this is a human who got taught magic by the elves? A mage is anyone of any race who uses what we call arcane magic. Got it's it. basically the the power of order in the universe. If you are at all familiar with like uh, a Dungeons and Dragons wizard class, mm -hmm. basically the idea that this is something that you study that it's it's like the the laws of the cosmos that you can if you study and understand it then you can uh, manipulate it to your will. Got um, it. It's, okay. It's the very intellectual kind of magic. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. And so, but but the thing is that it also lends itself to uh, chaos pretty easily. You can easily overdo it. Ooh. And in Dalaran, there were so many people doing such powerful arcane spells that they kind of accidentally drew the attention of demons from a dimension called the Twisting Nether. Because when you have a ton of arcane magic uh, just shooting out, it kind of tears a hole in reality a little bit and is like this big spotlight zooming out. So all the demons say, hey, there's a bunch of magic over there. Let's go get it. And that's not good. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like, um, sorry, this is where I got, I got to get ghetto and hood. You know, when you live in inner city and like you got the lights on at night and the mosquitoes and everything comes to your porch like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the okay. mosquitoes and moths, the moths and, all, and all that. The, the reason you don't want your porch light on too, too late. Yeah, um, so not to be lame, but kind of liking it to that. All this arcane magic flying around and demons are like, basically, yo, what's yeah. going on over there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what happened was that there were some demons who started sneaking into Dalaran through these rifts and infiltrating and causing a lot of problems. And when the mages realized that, they said, uh, okay, we have to figure out how to deal with this problem, but also keep this on the down low because our whole thing here is that this is a place where mages are not discriminated against. Yeah. And if people learn that the, there are demons as a side product of this, there is going to be discrimination again. Um, so they went, they went to the elves who taught them magic in the first place. And together they all decided, okay, we can't ban them from using magic because they're just going to do it anyway. And they're just going to cause problems elsewhere if it's all non-controlled. And we can't tell them to limit it. So what they did was they formed a secret order called the Tirisfall Order because they met in a forest called Tirisfall Glades. And they're like, hey, what should we name our order? How about the place that we're meeting right now secretly? Yeah, Not sense. the most creative, but it makes sense. 
And what they they are secret uh, order of mages that dealt with the demons when they came in so that all the problems were taken care of and really no one was the wiser and mages could continue doing their thing. Um, in order to have uh, to fight against very powerful demons, what they decided to do, they developed an ability where several mages could infuse their own power into a single individual. And that individual uh, was sometimes known as the spearhead, where everyone had to be in close proximity, but you had one super buffed up individual who could go toe to toe with a really powerful demon. Okay, okay. But then one day, they went up against this demon that uh, decided to, uh, he, he outsmarted them because instead of going for the big powerful guy, he went and picked up all the mages that were feeding the power and basically cut off his magic source yeah. and was able to beat them all. So then what they realized was that the way to do this was to permanently infuse their power into a single individual so that that couldn't happen again. Got it. And that individual became known as the guardian this person who this one mage who has the power of a ton of other super powerful mages fused into them so they are like the most powerful being on azeroth to single-handedly defend the world from any demons or other uh, entities from other planes that can cause to cause problems that's pretty sweet okay yeah and what would happen, they, generally they would serve for about 100 years because magic can uh, lengthen their lifespans here. And mm -hmm. so after about a century of service, you know, some of them would die, some would retire peaceably, and the power would get passed on to a new guardian. Yeah. And eventually, after about 2,000 years of this, Egwin mm -hmm. um, was the guardian, the uh, first female one. And awesome. she was... She was a rambunctious student. Uh, she was very mistrustful of authority by nature. Uh, kind of, she was a bit of a rebellious teenager, but she had a lot of talent. She had a lot of dedication to protecting the world. And so they decided that she would make the best guardian. Um, now, one of the things that she did as guardian was she discovered this arcane entity known as Aluneth and bound the entity into a staff, which is another Hearthstone card, a weapon from the Cobalts and Catacombs expansion. And so that is basically this sentient uh, entity of arcane magic that she managed to basically stuff into a magic staff to be able to use, uh, which that, that that's pretty impressive, honestly. Very impressive. Yeah. And is this, so, is this Aluneth that uh, I'm sorry, Aluneth that she's holding in her Hearthstone card? Yes, that is correct. Beautiful. Uh, because it's her staff. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Aluneth uh, and Egwin. Uh, we're basically, uh, I wouldn't say a team, uh, because he was kind of bound against his will, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, as, as a source of magic, but, uh, she, she used him to great effect and she protected the world for a century. And then she kind of decided that she didn't want to give up her, uh, power, uh, to pass on to someone else. Uh, Ooh. but there, th there was, uh, 
there were a couple reasons why. Okay. Because at one point during her uh, her tenure as guardian, she sensed that there was some strong demonic activity going on in the icy realm of Northrend, which true to its name is way up in the north of Azeroth. Yes. And uh, when she got there, uh, turns out that the demon lord Sargeras, who is in charge of this massive demon army called the Burning Legion, and their mission is to exterminate all life in the universe. Uh, because Sargeras believes that the universe is fundamentally flawed, that is corrupt by nature, and the only way to solve that is to kill everything and just let it start again from scratch, hopefully uncorrupted. Wow. Uh, Don't let this guy and, clean your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he had his sight sets on Azeroth for a long time. He was constantly trying to figure out how he could get to Azeroth, how he could get his demon army there in order to utterly destroy it. And he was always looking for mortals who could serve as gateways to let him in. Mm-hmm. And this was his latest big plan. Okay. So what he did was he, he put a small amount of his colossal power, which is still very much on his own, into a physical avatar and put that through a portal into Northrend. And Egwin did battle with this avatar, and it was a huge fight, you know, a powerful magic zooming everywhere, uh, mm. you know, altering the landscape. And after, after a long time, after a lot of effort, she managed to defeat the Avatar. Or did she? So because Yeah, that's what so this this I was curious on it. If if she did, um we have beautiful imagery here at Lore Masters. Um so I see Sargeras uh you know his avatar will be coming up in our imagery. Um there might be another weapon coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Alright, cool. Just making sure, yes. you know, playing my part as, you know, the image image guy just making sure because i'm excited about this so make sure the story's going good all right cool so yeah the thing is that during this fight um she attempted to call on aluneth in order to help her but the staff uh refused her call and so she had to summon summon the great staff atiesh instead which is why she's fighting with that in the picture um this was a staff that was sort of a heretical one by the guardians it had been used by the guardians for centuries very powerful magic staff uh not quite the same as a staff you have a literal uh being of magic bound to but still very powerful got it um yes and so what sargeras's plan was from the start was that the fight took everything out of Aegwyn. Um, she was utterly exhausted. All her defenses were down. She was focusing everything into b- basically blasting enough power to get rid of this thing. Um, and when, since she was weakened, Sargeras's soul seeped into her own. He low-key possessed her and hid in the back of her mind. Mm. And that was his ticket into Azeroth, he now had a presence, a foothold in the world. Um, And he didn't take direct control of her. What he did, because she she had too powerful a will, he he couldn't get full control of her. He constantly whispered in the back of her mind. um, And she had no clue that he was there. She thought that the dark presence she was feeling was just 
the stress of having the responsibility of the world on your shoulders 24 seven. Um, yeah. Kind of like if you've had a situation where uh, people say, you know, I, you're not feeling too well in your life. Nah, man, I'm just stressed from work. I'm absolutely fine. Like, no, man, you really should see a doctor or a therapist or so- something's not right with you. Uh, th- that's that's mm. basically what was going on with okay, her. Okay, I see. Yeah. It was really something next level, and she was just brushing it off, being her typical rambunctious, strong, independent self. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. I get it. Yeah. And he t- <laughs> and Sargeras took advantage of that strong, independent spirit and anti-authoritarian uh, spur that she had, because um, she was noticing that the uh, Council of Tears Fall were sort of like the Guardian's handlers. You know, you uh, the people who kind of take care of the Guardian and kind of like a mission control in a sense. Um, they're supposed to heed the council's advice, uh, but she didn't because yeah. she said, you know, uh, you guys, you, uh, you're you starting to get a little political here. I see you're influencing some of the human kingdoms around here. I don't quite like that. And um, Sargeras uh, really capitalized on that. We made her very paranoid and okay. very distrustful of the council. Yeah. So this is a case where, in reality, she was a little right. The council was a little right because they're like, the people need our guidance um, and we can make the world a better place. But so they, they weren't, they were a little bit in the wrong. She was a bit in the wrong, but uh, the demonic influence turned her into a full on loose cannon. Um, and she, she outright defied the council. She refused to pass her power on to another guardian because she's like, they, that whoever's the next guardian would just be your puppet. And I don't want that to happen because uh, that would be dooming the world in her eyes because she's very paranoid at this point. And she goes off and decides to make a secret hideout. And she uses a Luneth to create the Tower of Karazhan as her own personal secret base. And that's where that came from. Oh, so... Me as a Hearthstone player a couple years ago, you know, I'm really excited about this card game. See this YouTube trailer, you know, a lot of music, lights, you know, everybody's dancing, doing cannonballs into a pool, you know what I'm saying? Everybody hanging out one night in Karazhan. So Hearthstone really did the uh, the spin on the fun effect, but this place was actually created for a hideout. Yeah, yeah, magical stronghold. It has like you know, vast libraries of knowledge of all the things that the Guardian knows, magical artifacts. Um, it was used for parties later on in the story, mm, but uh, okay, okay. that that doesn't come until much later. Much, much later. But yeah, yeah. So she created it as a hideout. And then the Council of Tira's Fall uh, is like, okay, this is a full and loose cannon here. Um, she is very dangerous. Uh, because she has all this power and she's answering to absolutely no one right now. <laughs> so we need to rein her in. Um, they considered making a second guardian, uh-huh. but to, but they decided against that for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, because the conflict between two such powerful uh, mages would kind of out the secret council because uh, it'd be hard for people to ignore that. Yes. And the second part was that very same uh, clash of powers would maybe destroy the world. Um, you, you would have so much thrown around that it just wasn't worth it. 
So what they did was they created mm-hmm. a secret order of mage hunters known as the Tirus Guard, who were armed with uh, the knowledge and artifacts that could uh, negate the magic of the Guardian. So like, you know, she has spells to conceal her identity or her location. They can counter that. If she does uh, attacks against them, they can help to nullify those. Mm, okay. um, so basically... I think all of the Hearthstone cards that have that this card cannot be targeted by spells or hero powers effect, yes. what we sometimes call elusive, uh, that was not an official keyword, they basically had that. Uh, they, they, they had elusive on them in order to hunt her down. And one of, the That's mo- cool. uh, one of the most powerful and dogged and determined of these was a mage named Nilis Aran. Hmm. Uh, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got it, got it. Yes. He he and Egwin had many battles. He kept, you know, hunting her down and she'd get away and they had lots of banter in between. Um at, actually at this point it was a whole new generation because she's several centuries old at this point. Uh, she still looks incredibly young and youthful. Um I just said the same word twice, never mind. And uh, because she can use the magic to extend her life and Mm -hmm. uh, keep herself young and energized. And they have lots of banter back and forth, constantly trying to probe into each other's weaknesses. Okay. And so um, basically... Uh, they have, they, he realizes that she's not as bad as the council says. She realizes he's not as bad as she initially thought. And they come up with the idea that, you know what? We are yeah. going to have a child together in order mm. to have the powers of the guardian pass on to him and he'll be independent of the council. Oh, interesting. And that child's name is, is Medivh. Oh, that's Aaron where. is Medivh's mama. Wait, so oh, that's crazy. Hold on, let me get this image up. I didn't realize that. Listeners, did, did you guys hear that? Goliath, say one more time. Egwin is Medivh's mama. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he was conceived uh, with the explicit purpose that she would pass her powers onto him. So the card says that the next card mm. inherits. The spell damage. Ah. And that is why I love this card so much. It has the flavor. It just passes it on. It captures it beautifully into why this card, this character has this certain effect. It really does capture it. That's awesome. So. Mm -hmm. Now, there was just one little problem. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Um, Remember how Sargeras was in the back of Egwin's mind manipulating her? He literally yeah. possessed Medivh as soon as he was conceived while he was in uh, her womb. Oh. He was born possessed Uh-oh. by the most powerful demon of the universe. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she didn't know it uh, as he grew up. Uh, she and he was a bit stressed. She's like, oh, yeah, I felt that stress. It, it's it's just the being the guardian thing. It's no big deal. Mm. Um, and she taught him how to be a guardian and then, um, but then one day, uh, Mediv contacted Gul'dan, uh, who is, you know, the, the, the warlock uh, basic hero you have in Hearthstone. And uh, he also worked for Sargeras. And together, they opened up the dark portal, which brought over the orcs 
into Azeroth and started the whole Alliance versus Horde conflict in an attempt for the uh, demons of the Burning Legion to uh, completely annihilate Azeroth through the orcs. And Eguin discovered that, and she uh, went and confronted Medivh about it. Uh, it just so happened that there was one of those parties going on at the time. Medivh often had parties at Karazhan uh, in order to help lighten oh. his mood. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> and one of those parties happened to be going on, and the during the fight, mm-hmm. um, Sargeras, in an attempt to beat Eguin, because she was throwing everything at him, yeah. uh, tore the life out of all of the guests in the tower. Hmm. Everyone who was there for a party uh, suddenly became a ghost that would haunt that tower. Uh, so it became a very twisted and haunted place what because of all of that. Oh, man. Yeah. And um, then uh, Eguin got blasted off to another continent uh, because Medivh managed to take control just enough to prevent her from getting killed. Um mm. But then eventually, uh, now, this intersects with Medivh's story quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would take too long to tell all of his story. Well, so, he is a legendary card, so one yes, day. we'll talk about him one day. Oh, yeah. Um, but suffice it to say that eventually his possession was uncovered, the, that he was behind the orc invasion, um, although unwittingly, because, you know, possessed. Yeah. It's not his fault, really. Definitely not. And uh, he was killed. Uh, he was mm-hmm. defeated in order to prevent all that from happening. But his soul hovered, uh, you know, around the Boar's reality. And many years later, he saw that uh, when the Legion was attempting to make another assault, this time utilizing tools like the Lich King and an undead army and eventually having a full-on human invasion, which is an entire other story in itself. But Medivh was able to see everything that was going on and realized that I need to warn these people. So from beyond death, he was able to contact his mom and uh, she poured every bit of magic she had saved up. She, she, she's, kind of, she's kind of spent at this point. Um, she's lost a lot of her magic. And, but yeah. she manages to raise him from the dead. And he is able to unify the people of Azeroth. Now, now he's not possessed anymore. Okay. okay. Uh, and, and he forgives her. She's very quick to apologize. She's like, I'm really, really, really sorry for completely ruining your life by accidentally letting you get possessed from conception by a demon I let because and I was careless. And he's like, chill. It, it's okay. We both got used. The important thing is that we work together now. He said, chill, fam. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was very forgiving of his mother, which is okay. Very okay. Sweet. And um, and then they they managed uh, through Medivh's work. They managed to once again uh, drive the Legion off. Again, whole other story. Eguin really wanted to join him, but she was completely magically exhausted after literally raising someone from the dead. Of course. Um, and that's almost the end of her story. The one last part is that yeah. uh, when Jaina Proudmore. Uh, founded a city known as Theramore. She eventually encountered Eguin and took her as her uh, her advisor, essentially. Okay. And so Eguin was actually uh, helping out uh, Jaina for a period of time. Uh, she actually factors into the, uh, as, as of this recording, recent Valera's Book of Heroes, where okay. there's a part where uh, assassins come and... Uh, 
uh, Grona is attacking people and they need to figure out, you know, what's behind all this. And they learn that it's a cult called the Twilight's Hammer. Uh, Aegon was actually very instrumental in helping to uh, figure all of that stuff out as well. Oh, snap. Currently, now here, here's a little thing uh, that's a bit confusing mm-hmm. is that there, there's one series of comics that showed how she died that has since been uh, considered non-canon. Um, so it used to be that she had a grandson, uh, a, a child that Medivh and Garona had named Madan. And in a series of comics, she gave her life to protect him. However, that is the particular character that has been decanonized, largely because those comics and that character weren't particularly popular. So in, in the current canon, we don't actually know how she died or when. So the most we can say for certain for our purposes here is that um, her story ended sometime when she was serving as Janus counselor in Theramore, but we can't okay. really say anything else for certain. It's mm, unfortunate, but that's okay. that's the the basic breaking down the story of Egwin. Um, she had quite a long life. She did yeah. a lot of stuff. She made a lot of mistakes, then helped to make up for them. And uh, as a card, just amazing flavor uh, through the mechanics and the art, just really capturing uh, some of the core essence of who she is, which I am really happy to see. This is something I love about a really good Hearthstone Legendary card. Yeah, man, it's really cool to hear this story. Um, for those who may not know, uh, me and Goliath consider Lore Masters an extension of Born to Be Wild. Um, I joined the Discord server for Born to Be Wild last summer. Um, so to be exact, in July of 2020, uh, fantastic year for those who listen to this years later. Um, anyway, so brought Goliath on, uh, the Lore Master himself, and we started to, to do... Um, every few weeks or so, ep- months, um, lore episodes. So I had this idea of like, what if there was just like a podcast in a YouTube series that just did lore shows focused on one card per show? The content is there. We have the lore master himself. So it's really cool to uh, hear the story and see the imagery and like know what's going on here. Seeing that she's holding um, Aluneth and to know that Aluneth was like, this uncontrollable energy where like she tried to call it in battle, but it wouldn't come to her kind of like, uh, you know, Harry Potter with the Nimbus, you know, <laughs> and then to know that there's another staff that she could use, um, that's not infused with crazy magic, but still powerful enough to help her in battle. And then to see the imagery of Mandiv, the guardian, um, with that staff, and then to see, um, the guardian and to understand what that actually means now as a player who doesn't know lore, it's very cool to be on this side of the show and like soak in all that knowledge and um just to think about it you know as i'm playing the game even even when i'm not playing the game um it's just cool to like to know just a little bit more of what's going on here you know oh absolutely i think that uh, having a sense and awareness of who this character is can add so much more to when you play it um i think that if it's a good card that you're playing in a winning deck anyway, then it gives that much more satisfaction because you have a greater sense of this character's power when you mm-hmm. have those that amazing effect. Yeah. And if it's not the greatest card, then you can at the very least appreciate its existence a bit more. Yes. And if you feel like playing some sort of, uh, you know, just beam deck for, for the fun of it, then it might be an encouragement of, 
oh, you know, I really like what that uh, character does and their effect means a lot more to me now. So, you know what, I'll, I'll just have a little more fun with this. Because that, that's a wonderful thing about Hearthstone. You can have fun in so many different ways. Yeah. And this just adds on one other way, I think. That is so true. Um, I definitely like being seven years in. Um, I know with more time, this idea can grow where I'm going to learn more about the lore of the game, but they can start printing cards where it's like um, family members. So back in Skolomance, when uh, you came on to Born to be Wild and you showed us uh, the story of Skolomance and showed us that Lord Baroff and Mindrender Lucia are the parents of Jandis. So like this right here, seeing uh, Medivh um, on a card that says the Guardian for X amount of years, it's been, I have no idea, no clue what the Guardian meant until right here in March of 2021. So it's very cool to see the mother-son <laughs> combo right here. And of course, knowing me just being a geek, I'll play them both in one deck and like hopefully, yeah. you know, the Death Rattle will go and then he's the next card I draw and I'll screenshot it and be like, look at me, I'm a nerd. <laughs> And I wouldn't be surprised because a lot of the time they like to have card interactions with certain heroes that you play. Mm -hmm. So I'll bet because Medivh is also a hero card. Oh, I yeah. I think that it's very likely uh, a hero portrait. Yeah, yeah, a hero yeah. portrait. Sorry, mm -hmm. that's what I meant. It's okay. Um, that if you if you are playing against someone uh, who has the Medivh portrait and you play the Eggwin card. Mm. I bet you dollars to donuts that uh, she's mm. going to have some unique voice lines. Okay, okay. Like how uh, if you play Karen Bloodhoof and the other person is playing Garrosh, yeah. uh, he says, Garrosh, you are not worthy to lead the horde because there's a special story connection there, uh, which we'll probably talk about in a few future episode. Can't wait. But uh, yeah, I, I bet you definitely uh, that there's going to be a special interaction and I can't wait to see it. Oh man, I can't wait to see it either. I'm really excited for uh, what we have here uh, at Lore Masters. Um, you know, going through the collections of legendary minions, and we get to talk about the backstory. And I know over time, you know, the stories will integrate and cross paths. So I can't wait for that time period. But I'll enjoy the ride the entire way, man. This is going to be a great project. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I'm just overflow with the emotion here. So let me take a step back and calm down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoy telling stories. I love sharing all of this stuff. It's really fun. And I love I love the the fun that I see people have when they have an enhancement of knowing about these things. There, there's just a particular pleasure I uh, have from sharing all of this. It's, it's a passion of mine. So I'm yeah. very grateful to have this opportunity. I think this is going to be a lot of fun as this series unfolds. Yeah, man. And I want to ride your coattail as we end this. Um, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, I appreciate you saying yes to it. Um, with both of us knowing that you are the lore master and you will have to literally carry because of the stories. And I'm just here listening like everyone else. But also, you know, I'm manning some things, but more of like a student just soaking it all in. So um, I will. I did catch myself uh, before we get out of here. Some Some of the time tonight like in oohs and ahs just listening to you and then i was like oh next picture <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is very cool and unique to like be a co-host but also a fan so uh, i'm just uh, i'm in awe man like like i said from day one i saw you putting laura stuff out for out of dot cards uh fantastic content by the way everybody check out out of dot cards and i was like yo i gotta be friends with this guy like he's just so cool so appreciate it man thank you i'm flattered thank you 
And I suppose that uh, wraps up our very first episode of Lore Masters. Um, yes, we'll continue to pump out episodes uh, maybe once, maybe twice a month. We'll see how things go with that. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, we'll uh, you can eventually follow us on our related social media. Uh, Mike, where can, oh. where can people find us right now? Yeah, so right now we have a Twitter set up. It is Lore Masters HS. I beautifully acquired this twitter page uh, a month or two ago so that when we did get rolling we had the handle all set and we didn't have to do an underscore or any kind of silly numbers <laughs> so we're at lore masters hs on twitter we will have a youtube with the same name and then within the 30 days and 100 subs we can have our custom url so right now just find our base on twitter at lore masters hs l-o-r-e-m-a-s-t-e-r-s-h-s All right. Well, with all of that, uh, we look forward to seeing all of you back next episode. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, feel free to comment any cards that you might uh, have a particular desire to see us talk about. Uh, We have so many that we can do. Uh, We might do some Mm -hmm. uh, new ones coming out combined with some old original classics. So feel free to shoot ideas of things that you're curious about and would love to hear the lore about from the lore masters can't wait i'm really excited see you next time guys bye